The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So um, this day, I think there was a, maybe a little miscommunication or a typo <laughs> um, in, the, in the name of today's uh, workshop. It's actually Living Kindness, the title of my new book. And uh, it's a very purposeful title. Um, it is meant to trigger something in a Buddhist-oriented mind that goes, loving kindness, oh, living kindness. Oh, you mean like trying to live loving kindness. Oh, I want to do that. How much is that book? So, $10 out in the lobby. Um, but, and so I actually thought I would just read the first two paragraphs and, and that'll kind of tell you what this is about as a start. This is a book about love, not the squishy romantic love of films and pop songs, but something more complicated and challenging, a love without limits or conditions, a love that includes our enemies and isn't driven by our desires or preferences. This is what the Buddha called metta, or loving-kindness. I started writing with the germ of an idea that Western Buddhists didn't fully understand what the Buddha was saying on the topic of metta. Here, it's mostly thought of as a meditation practice where you radiate kindness and as a feeling, a feeling of warmth and goodwill, and those are certainly aspects of metta. But my study and practice and reflection pointed to other dimensions of metta, some of which weren't easy to swallow. But I thought that if the Buddha was asking us to practice love in these more challenging ways, we ought to try. So I've used several of the early teachings called suttas as the foundation for the book. And it's a, it's a relatively short book, as you can see. And I wanted it to be simple. But I wanted to address a couple different aspects of loving kindness and, and how to bring that into our lives um, that, as I say, kind of aren't, I don't feel are emphasized enough in Buddhist circles. I think there's a temptation when we hear that, oh, we're going to practice loving kindness, uh, to think that we're going to get a feel-good experience. There's nothing wrong with feeling good. I'm not opposed to that. In fact, I'm strongly in favor of feeling good. But, you know, if you've been coming around common ground for a while or done Buddhist practice or studied Buddhism, you know that uh, it's more complicated than that, that, that practice opens up dimensions of ourselves, of, of reality, of life, that are not always uh, possible to paper over with a feel-good meditation. And then there are certain kind of elements that I've seen uh, of the practice of loving-kindness where I feel people get stuck, and I wanted to see if I could be helpful in people getting through those things. And then, uh, so th these are, I'm kind of telling you why I wrote the book and what, what, I'm, what my purpose was in, in this project. Um, 
the, one of them is to help people to see the ways that they are already living a, ki- a life of kindness and love. Because I, I think another aspect of our culture is this sort of self-criticism and judgment of ourselves that we're kind of always measuring ourselves and, and uh, often uh, with a negative view or uh, you know, negative uh, judgment. So to try to maybe help people to shift that orientation to uh, what I consider more realistic rather than saying positive, just I don't mean it just to feel, again, just to feel good or to be positive, but to see the innate positive qualities that we already have. I also wanted to, uh, I guess I had a bunch of things in mind with this book, you know, as I reflect on it. I also wanted to introduce people to some of the early teachings of the suttas, which are, can often seem uh, intimidating and even off-putting uh, in this kind of technical language. There's a lot of repetition. Um, you can get lost, lose the forest for the trees uh, when you're trying to read through them. And if you, even if you just buy you know, one or you know, pick up one of the collections, like the middle-length discourses, it's this huge tome with 152 discourses. And it's hard to know where to begin or how to approach it. So I've had the uh, good fortune to work with various teachers uh, who've helped me uh, to find uh, an approach to reading or some approaches to reading the suttas. And uh, one of the things that I've found is that you don't have to read 152 suttas to get some very powerful uh, teachings and understandings that actually just going into a few uh, suttas, and and in some ways it doesn't matter which one you pick, uh, they all kind of lead towards the same thing. But when you, once you learn to just read a few suttas and kind of navigate your way through, a lot can open up. Um, And uh, I really feel, I'm not by any means a Buddhist scholar, Um, there are lots of suttas. There's probably thousands of suttas I've never read. But um, I've gotten to the point where I feel okay, safe when I pick up a sutta that, that I, can, I can digest this. I can find a way to digest it. And I wanted to kind of... So several of the chapters go through suttas almost line by line or kind of piece by piece, kind of talk about them. And, and partly talking about them just as a 21st century person, a white male, and, you know, from all the viewpoints that I'm coming from, of privilege and um, age and, and orientation, you know, as an addict and all that, uh, recovering addict. <laughs> um, and, and, and so kind of uh, make it the, the process, the engagement more personal. Uh, one of the things that I love about the suttas is that you discover there are stories and there are characters. It's not just the Buddha reciting the Eightfold Path or telling you what the five hindrances are. There are characters, there are people that show up and, and situations that unfold, and some of them are very 
relatable situations once we kind of understand them. I mean, again, you can kind of read through it and not really get what's going on, but with a little time and careful reflection, you start to discover, oh, these are people just like us. Because that's what I think makes any teaching, but especially the Dharma, so uh, valuable because we relate to it. And what's, of course, appealing about Buddhism in this modern world is its practical approach, its realistic approach. It's not a mystical religion. It's not based on faith in, in um, you know, any kind of supernatural powers or beings. Uh, it's, it's really addressing the human condition. And that's what's so uh, compelling about it. So when we can read the suttas and see them in this light as stories of people like us with struggles like us and, and, see, and, and see the Buddha addressing those people and addressing their lives and their situations, it can, it can really um, open up the Dharma. You know, one of the things that happens as a Buddhist practitioner over time is that in the beginning you start by reading typically you know, very accessible Western, uh, you know, distillations or uh, commentaries or translations of, of Buddhist teachings. So, uh, but over time, you'll find that, you know, many times you'll, you'll read a book and, the, and someone will say, well, the Buddha said this, but it won't be a quote. It'll just be kind of a, a generic thing. And after, you know, a few years of reading things like that and going on retreats and meditating yourself, and then you, wonder, you start to wonder, did he say that? Like, what did, did he say? And then that's when you kind of, well, let me look at one of those suttas. And as I say, you know, when I first picked up the suttas, I was like, uh, uh, what? Could somebody help me with this? Well, it took a while. But um, we start to look for the, uh, the, what the Buddha really said, right? Or at least... As far as we know, you know, this, the suttas are, uh, we're pretty sure that it's, it's a good uh, representation of what the Buddha was teaching. So then you start to see, oh, like there's some subtle differences. And different teachers will shade the teachings in their own, through their own light. Some of them will shade them very strongly in a way that you'll kind of go, that's not how I read that at all, you know. And... Uh, and so you start to want to get, well, I want to find out what this says for me. And what you're doing is that you're trying to, if you've practiced for a while, you're trying to relate your own inner experience and your own practice with these words and make, see if there's a connection and see if there's some way you can maybe guide yourself or guide your mind in meditation or you know, your approach to life, uh, to, and to your own understanding. Because ultimately, for Dharma or any spiritual teachings to be meaningful, they need, we need to have our own understanding. It needs to be our own practice. You know, somebody can tell you how to meditate, give you instructions, but they're not there in your head when you're sitting there and all that stuff is happening. So at some point, you have to learn to guide yourself, right? You become your own teacher. This is, I think... Uh, a spiritual axiom that ultimately we are our own teachers. Uh, and, and so part of this process is going to the, the master, the Buddha, 
at least for the, those of us who consider him the greatest teacher. And go, trying to go to him and have this kind of conversation, of course we can't speak to him, but you know, look for that conversation that he had with somebody that, oh, that could be me. Right? Oh, oh, yeah, I've had that problem. Oh, yeah, what did he say about that? And sometimes, as I say, it's not really what we want to hear. And, and it's one of the things that you know, contemporary Dharma teachers will do. They'll kind of leave out some of the tough stuff sometimes. Like, uh, you know, understandable. I mean, uh, we don't want to alienate people. People need to be ready to hear things. Uh, and, and sometimes some of the, there are things the Buddha says that aren't really maybe central maybe aren't the most important thing. So if you bring that forward right away, then, uh, and it's not really the, the essence, then is there a real value in, in uh, trumpeting that? So, um, you know, I've been working with this material. Actually, I gave a talk on this subject when I was just starting this book a couple years ago. Uh, I gave a talk here. Did I say that? I gave a talk here in this room. And... Uh, and so I've been working with this material for a couple of years, and as a teacher, and I'm sure some of you teach in some form, if not Dharma, other things, you know that you know, as you approach a topic, it evolves with time as you're working with it. And I'll also say that I usually I either give a talk or I give a day long. So now I'm kind of, this is a half day, so I don't know what we're going to do. Michelle asked me what I was going to do, if she could... So she could figure out when to record me. And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to meditate with you. And that will be the next thing we can do. Uh, and after that, uh, we'll see. Uh, but one of the things I want to do is look at the Metta Sutta, which is the Buddha's core teaching on loving kindness, to, get, to look at that together. Um, what... What I did with this book was I put the Metta Sutta at the end of the book. And the, the beginning, the opening of the book, or leading up to that point, is building, uh, kind of showing the, the elements that turn up in the Metta Sutta, but sh- showing how there are entire suttas that are just about certain particular elements of that sutta. So it allows us to expand on different elements that turn up in the metta sutta. Um, But I've been finding in my teaching that just taking the metta, uh, since we don't have time to, you know, go through every bit in this book, that just going straight to the metta sutta can be a great way to bring out these elements um, and, and I'll say just uh, that, uh, finally, that um, for me this is fun, and I hope it will be fun for you too, uh, looking, at, looking at a text and reflecting on it for yourself um, and, and uh, discovering. You know, I, I think that, uh, I hope that you will uh, discover some things today that you maybe hadn't quite seen before. So with that, um, I think I'd like to do some meditation. We won't record the meditation. So one of the ironies of the fact that I've published this book is that I don't particularly care for 
loving-kindness meditation. <laughs> this talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org.